Good morning. If you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to take them out right now and turn to Psalm chapter, or the 103rd Psalm. Um, we are taking a break from our Sermon on the Mount series uh, for um, Christmas and Advent, and we're going to take today to really focus on uh, Thanksgiving. So that's why we're in Psalm 103. While you're turning there, I'd like to say a great big thank you to everyone who helped out with the turkey trot yesterday. It was such a great time. I don't know if this is your experience or not, but I think that the pie and coffee time was almost better than the run. But I don't know. It's, I'm mixed. But it was, it was really great. Thank you for everyone who, who organized, who, who baked pies, who participated in all the different ways with tech and different things like that. And also thank you to uh, Wyatt's uh, Family Meets for their sponsorship of that event. It was just a really nice time, and I'm really grateful for, for that. And we're going to, it was the first annual one, so I think we're going to try and do it every year, the RBC Turkey Trot. All right, so Psalm 103. This is a, a great psalm. So let's let me read it, and um, yeah, and then and then we'll just try to dive in and 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 let it let it penetrate our hearts. So a psalm of David. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, he, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like the flower of the field. For the wind passes over it and it's gone. And in its place, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And his righteousness to children children's children. To those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obey, obeying his voice, the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, Oh, my soul. Let's pray. Father, I pray, we pray together that we would be a people who abound in thanksgiving. That we would be a people who, who so extol the works of Christ, the, the, the work that you have done in our life, your grace and your mercy and your love, 
that you are magnified by our thanksgiving, that you are exalted by our thanksgiving, that you are glorified by our thanksgiving. And Father, I pray because we are so prone to slip into that grumbling thing, murmuring against you, against your provision. Father, I pray that right now you would convict us of that and that we would turn from that, that we would, we would look upon your grace and your mercy and your kindness and, we would, and that our hearts would be filled with praise. Lord, we have so much to be grateful for. So, so many thanks. And I pray that this week would be more than, more than all the trappings. It would be a time where Christians seriously reflect on the goodness of our benevolent Father. Help me, I pray. Help me to preach this well this morning. Help me to be clear. I pray that the gospel would be clear. And I pray for those who are suffering this morning, here today, Lord, I pray that they would look to you by faith. And even in that suffering, they would, they would see your grace and your mercy and your compassion and your love and your comfort. And you would even fill the hearts of those who suffer with gratitude and thankfulness. I pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. So this is such a wonderful time of year. Um, this coming Thursday, it's... Uh, the, the, I, in my view, it's the best holiday that we have on our calendars in the American, the best American holiday. Uh, for Christians, the day ought to have significance. It goes way beyond, you know, the family gatherings and the football and the food, even though those things add to it, those things are good. Um, it's a great reminder to stop and to be intentional about Thanksgiving. It's really easy, it's super easy to lose sight of gratitude and fall into complaint mode. You, you know what I mean? It's, it's so easy for us to do. It's, it comes so natural to us. We, we can find things not to like, to complain about, to grumble, even when all things are well, but especially when there's things in our lives that we do not like. And there are often things in our life like that. There are things in our life that spur on our hearts to grumble. Things we do not like, things that hurt. Grumbling comes easy. In fact, I think it is our default posture. When I was a, a kid, I don't know, eight or nine, um, my grandmother, who was a college librarian, paid for all her grandkids to go to Disney one day. It was, it was a big deal. She had a lot of grandkids. It was very significant. And it was significant for a couple of reasons. One, college librarians didn't make a lot of money in those days. Uh, it was a very meager salary. And Disney World, even back then, um, you know, so long ago, <laughs> uh, was pricey. It was, it was an expensive day. And I remember standing in a long line. We were waiting to get in, in our admissions part. And I remember just, I was eight or nine. It's, it's Florida. It's August. You know, it's like a billion degrees out and there's a thousand percent humidity. It's all of that kind of thing that you get in Florida. And, and my little heart starts really complaining. Like, you know, I, it's kind of funny though. I was like dreaming about Disney all, all week before that, you know, like I can't wait to get to Disney, but I'm saying this line. I just start grumbling, stupid sun, stupid sunshine, stupid heat, stupid Disney. You know, I just didn't like anything in that moment. I was just grumbling like nine-year-olds do. My aunt, who was with us, she, uh, she 
grabbed me by the ear. That's, I think, the spiritual gift of ants in the South. They're very good at grabbing ears. She grabbed me by the ear and, and, and pulled me aside. And she explained to me that gently, of course, super gently, <laughs> how much my grandmother had sacrificed so that we could be there that day and how lousy my ingratitude would make her feel and everybody around me feel about her her, her generosity towards us and her kindness towards us. And I remember feeling like it was a wake-up call. Like I hadn't, until that moment, thought, oh, there's, the, there's a great deal of kindness being shown to me right now. I, it, was, it was actually my aunt who helped me see that, painfully so. It was a wake-up call. It helped me. I spent the rest of the day, I remember very clearly just being like, I'm going to be thankful today because my grandma spent all this money so we could be here. And so... Went the rest of the day being intentional about my gratitude and loving the day, uh, just having a great time. But we can be just like that. You know what I mean? We, like spoiled kids who recoil at every inconvenience, everything we don't like, like every, every thorn that comes along in this world, we can complain as if God doesn't love us, as if we have no hope, as if life is terrible. We just fall into that grumbling mode and life can get very hard and we can fall asleep to the reality that God has demonstrated and God continues to demonstrate incredible love, undeserved to people like you and me. Life-giving love, grace and mercy. Love that reaches into every corner of our lives and grace that makes all things new. So I hope that for you, this holiday and, and maybe this sermon will serve like, a, like a, a, a loving aunt grabbing your ear and reminding you what you have to be thankful for, the things for which you have to be thankful. Life is fast, it's often hard, and we need reminders like this so that we're grateful. Thanksgiving does not come natural to fallen man. Grumbling, that's what comes natural. Grumbling and complaining are what come natural to man. In fact, in Romans 1.21, when Paul was describing the depravity of man, it's interesting that one of the things that he mentions, Romans 1.21, is our ingratitude. He says, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. Interesting that he mentions that right there, right? The depravity of man's on display. And he says, they didn't give thanks to God. We didn't give thanks to God. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. If you think back to what the Bible says about Israel and their time in the wilderness, you remember that? Like they're, they're, they're wandering around in the wilderness. One of the marks of Israel during that time, like one of the themes for the, the way that they were living and behaving and thinking was murmuring. They were, they were murmuring at every turn. If something didn't go their way, they were murmuring. And God is not pleased. He was not pleased with Israel because of that murmuring. Not pleased. Like, seriously not pleased. Like, not a one of them entered the promised land unpleased with them. You know why God is so unhappy with ingratitude? It is because it is a fruit of unbelief. We don't think of it that way. We think I'm just grumbling, right? It's a fruit of unbelief. And it, it says things. It says things to your own heart and it says things to people around you. When you, you, you know, like, like God's not good. It says those kind of things when we grumble and when we complain. It is a fruit of unbelief while gratitude and thanksgiving is a mark of faith. It's how we honor God. 
Like we, we look to God and we, we see him as glorious and good and gracious and kind and loving. We, we look by faith that way. And that mark of faith is gratitude towards our benevolent father. So that's why I think we need the, to follow the, the premise of Psalm 103 and preach thankfulness to our hearts. We want to be a people of faith. And gratitude towards God for his grace and his goodness and his mercy and his provision. And that, that's a mark of faith. So we need to preach this to our souls. Now, I don't know if that sounds strange to you. Preaching to your souls. Maybe not by now because I, 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 I think that that concept is all over the Bible. And I use that phrase a lot. Preaching to our souls. I think it's a big part of the Christian life. We preach things to our souls. I believe I got that idea originally from Psalm 103. That's, that's what this psalm is teaching us to do. This psalm is actually teaching us to preach to our souls. Let me show you what I mean, okay? So, bless the Lord is an imperative, right? That's like a command. It's, 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 it's te- imperatives tell us something to do. They, they instruct us. They go shut the door is an imperative phrase, right? So is bless the Lord. The psalmist is telling someone to bless the Lord, but who, whom? Is he telling? You can see right in the second phrase who he's telling, whom he's telling, whatever. You can see who he's telling to bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul. You see? So he is literally commanding his soul to bless the Lord. He is preaching to his soul. I love that. Christians need to preach to our own souls because sometimes we don't have a literal ant standing by to remind us, right? Sometimes we, 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 we don't have somebody who, who, who frowns at our unbelief. Sometimes we keep it all in. Sometimes we let it out. Sometimes we keep it all in. We just have hard circumstances on one side and the temptation to grumble on the other. And you know what? That's what David had in this moment. He had hard circumstances and a temptation to grumble. And then he wrote this. So he preached to his own soul, and that's what we need to do. The remedy to our lack of thanks and our grumbling hearts is to preach to our souls. So get this, okay? This is what we're doing today. I am literally preaching to you a sermon about a sermon that I think you should preach to your soul. How's that? So how do our souls bless the Lord? What does David intend for his soul to do? How do we obey this? So bless can mean a few different things in the Bible, but here it has a pretty specific meaning. Uh, You can actually see that specific meaning uh, in the Greek word. If you were to check the Greek translation of the Old Testament, the Septuagint, if you were to check that, you could see that the Greek word is... um, I don't know how to pronounce it. Eulageo, something like that. Eulageo, I think the... Stress is probably further back, but I want to say it just like that so that you can, you can hear it. Eulageo. I mean, I'm saying it because you can actually hear in that Greek word the English word eulogy. Eulogy. That's where the Greek word eulogy comes from. And you know what a eulogy is, right? A, a eulogy is what we do at funerals when we remind one another of the good things about a person who has passed, right? We're, 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 we're extolling the good things. He, he was a, a loving father. He was a, he was a doting dad. He, he loved his community. He was always funny. And he, we say things like that, right? At a funeral, in a eulogy, 
to remind us of the good of that person. It's praise in short. That's what the word means. The word in Hebrew means that too, praise. The, the psalm is instructing our souls to remember and to express God's good dealings with us. That's what blessing the Lord is. We are extolling God and his goodness. It's a, a living eulogy to God's grace and his faithfulness to us. We are preaching to our souls to remember God's grace and to thank him for his goodness. And we, sh- we, should, preach, we should preach that till our souls sing. I think we should preach, we've got a whole church service going on right in our hearts here. We should preach this sermon to our souls until our souls sing in gratitude to our God. And you know how I know that? I know that because this is a psalm. And you know what psalms are for? They're songs. They're, they're, to, be, they're to be sung. This was meant to be sung. In fact, we, we, we sing this song. We have, a, we have a few different editions of bless the Lord, O my soul, right? It's meant to be sung. So David preached God's grace to his sin-drenched soul in the midst of hardships. And in the end, instead of complaining, he found himself singing, even more than that, he found himself songwriting of God's goodness. This is how hymns and praise songs work. We, pray, we, we, we preach, soul, you are forgiven by God's grace. God doesn't hold your sin against you anymore. So bless the Lord's soul. And as we sing, as we, as we, as we preach that and preach that and preach that, we begin to sing of God's grace to us. So here's what I think would be helpful for us. I, I picked out 14 things or more than that, but uh, David gave at least 14 reasons for our souls to sing and to praise God in this psalm. Uh, so let's just go through them quickly. 14 reasons for my heart to sing about God's grace. Maybe we can hold on to the ones we need right now, the ones that, are, that, 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 that would preach a relevant sermon to our soul, like what's going on in our hearts. So we might praise God. So 14 reasons for my soul to sing, and we're just going to quickly walk through them. In verse 3, we're reminded that God forgives all our iniquities. That's, that's, that's reason number one. God forgives us. God forgives you. We, we don't have to linger here long, but it's, it's, it's good for us to remember this. And, and note the word there, all, all your iniquities, not some, not the easy ones, but all. God, in the work of Jesus Christ, takes care of all your sin. If you are in Christ, that is a reality that is about you. Christian, you are forgiven. The work of Christ is sufficient to pay for all of your sins, all of your iniquities, and to forgive the debt. And that's massive if you know what your debt is like. If you really have an eye to see what your sin is like. And so helpful if you're feeling shame because of your past. He forgives us all our sins. Everybody whose faith is in Christ alone is forgiven all of it. I love it. The, the hymnist put it this way. Another song. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to his cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. Reason number two. It's also, this, this is also in verse three. He says, God heals all your diseases. God heals all your diseases. Now, we have to think about what that means. Is it metaphoric diseases? Like the sin, the disease of sin, or the diseases of like real diseases like cancer and diabetes, and, you know. And then there's some people who think that this means that if you have faith enough, God will take away all the sicknesses in this life. 
which can't be right, right? Because everybody dies, all of us will die, and most of us will die of disease, right? I mean, just that's the reality. So could it be that we have a lack of faith or something? I, I don't think that. I, I think we're just not understanding what this means. And then there's Christians who live with chronic illness. We've, we, we heard from a believer like that a few weeks ago. We, we struggle, and we just did a podcast on it. It's very helpful, by the way, if you know someone struggling with chronic illness. Uh, the grandmother that I mentioned in the beginning, one of the reasons I mentioned her today, she's in her 90s now, and a few weeks ago, I received word that the doctors do not believe she has much life left, she, that she's going to be long for this world. She's still with us. They, they're surprising her. They, they thought she'd be passed by now, but she's still here, and I don't know for how long she'll be here. So how does God heal all our diseases when just a short while my grandmother, a Christian named Florence, will die, likely. The glorious reality is that whatever, whenever it does happen, she will be healed of all her diseases. And she will never get sick again, ever. And that is because of God's grace to Florence in Jesus Christ. He heals all our diseases one way or another. We, 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 we simply trust him for that. And that ought to make your heart sing this morning if you're ill. God heals. You won't always be that way in Christ. God is gracious. Reason number three, it's in verse four. When David says he crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. God crowns you with steadfast love. That means that, you know, just like a king wears a crown to demonstrate his status as a king, right? That's, that's why he wears that crown, so show he's the king. God, through his son, has placed a crown on your head that demonstrates that you are loved steadfastly. And you are shown mercy. This is the sermon you need to preach when you feel like God is far from you. He isn't. His love is steadfast. His love never diminishes. So that's reason number three. God crowns you with steadfast love. Reason number four is that God, as per verse five, satisfies you with good. You know, we often feel empty. We often go through those dry spells as Christians. This sermon, God satisfies you with good, is what your soul needs to hear when you feel empty. Like, like there's a hole in the middle of your soul and you feel the urge to run around and try to satisfy that, like fill that hole up, satisfy your heart with trinkets or new pursuits or new directions just to find out that it never actually does satisfy. Now, instead of that, preach to your soul, God is all satisfying. He satisfies me with good. I, I might try to eat all this other stuff, but you know what? I'll hunger again just as soon as I have my fill, but God satisfies me with good forever. So bless the Lord, soul. Reason number five, in verse six, it says that God works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. So that's reason number six, or reason number, I'm good at math, five. We need a reminder, and we need that reminder when we think of all the oppression that we see in the world today, right? I mean, 
All the war, the terrorism, the orphans, the poverty, the young girls and boys who are trafficked for profit, all the unborn who are murdered because their parents are afraid or deceived or just plain busy, the shooting last night in Colorado Springs, the war in Ukraine. It's a rough world. And sometimes we can feel like it's a helpless world, but it's not. It's not a hopeless world, rather. When it feels hopeless, we need to preach this to our souls. Sure, evil is still here, right? God's going to deal with it. It's not totally out of our experience, but we say to our souls till they sing, bless the Lord, soul, because the Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. There won't be oppression that goes unaccounted for. Because God is just, and one day we'll see his justice. One day all will have justice. Reason number six, it's in verse seven. God reveals himself to undeserving people. Israel did not deserve his grace, but they were his people. And God is gracious to his people. Even though we are all undeserving, God is gracious to us. And that's, that's a huge part of the gospel. We are undeserving Sing that to your soul and, and sing the next reason right with it. Reason number seven, it's in verse eight. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. God is, God is merciful and gracious. Oh, what a sweet song that is, right? For undeserver, undeserving people. Reason number eight. The, the eighth reason for our souls to bless the Lord is that once God's wrath is satisfied, it is satisfied forever. You can see that in verse nine. God does not chide forever. You know why God does not chide forever? It isn't like he just gets tired of chiding. It's, it's not like a, like, a, like a parent who's just, you know, like, oh, I keep saying the same thing over again. I'm just gonna give it a rest. That's, that's not God. God, God's chiding is a holy chiding and it flows up from his justice, right? That's why he chides. He chides because he's a holy God and sin needs chiding, but he doesn't chide forever. And you know why? The sweet answer is that God's chiding is satisfied in Christ for all who believe. If you are in Christ by faith, he does not chide anymore. His he, he, his wrath was poured out on Christ on the cross so that you can be accepted into his presence and to be holy before him. The gospel. And related to that is reason number nine, which is in verse 10. God does not repay us according to our sins. Romans 3.26 teaches us that he is, the, he is just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Christ. Just because our sin debt he is, I'm sorry, he is just because our sin debt was paid by Jesus Christ on the cross. So it's not like he just overlooks sin. God doesn't do that. <laughs> he is just, but Christ paid it all. And he is the justifier because God graciously sees all who have faith in Jesus in Christ's righteousness. He sees them as righteous. So he does not repay us according to our sins. He paid Jesus for our sins. Do you see? Reason number 10 
is that God's love is off the scales for us. Look at, look at verse 11. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love for those who fear him. My mom sometimes tells my children that I love you till the moon, to the moon and back or something like that. I, lo- I think that's how she says it. I love, I love you to the moon and back. And, and you think, well, that's, that's a pretty long distance. I mean, the moon is a pretty long distance away, right? I mean, and then it's a round trip. So this is like serious love here. But then I read this and I think, that's nothing, <laughs> right? How high are the heavens above the earth? Like even our best deep space telescopes, they don't show us the top. And that's a metaphor for how God loves you, friend. Preach that to your soul when you feel unloved. Reason number 11, it's in verse 12. It's almost the same thought, but this time about our sin. As, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. So off the chart forgiveness is, that, is reason number 11. And I love that. I love that because the east, you've heard this before, it never meets the west. They never, if you travel north, like if, you, if I just go straight north, you know, I'll, I'll get to Canada and then I'll get to that really cold sea up there. And then I'll be in Siberia and I'll be heading south which would be kind of weird to be heading south in Siberia, but that's what'll happen. And then I'll be going, if I go east, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll hit the east coast. Which way is east? East, <laughs> I'll hit the east coast. And then I'll, I'll you know, I'll hit uh, Europe and I'll still be going east, right? And then I'll hit Asia. And then I'll hit like California, still going east. Do you see what I'm saying? That is how God views your sin. gone. Think of your past. I mean, if your past is still like if weighing you down, like you think it's paramount on God's mind towards you, your, your sinful, dirty past, you need to preach this to your soul because he says, as far as he says from the West, so he removes our sin from us. Reason number 12, God is a compassionate father. Look at verse 13. God shows compassion the way that a good father shows compassion for his child. If you fear God, according to verse 13, he shows you that kind of compassion, the kind of compassion a father lovingly shows his child. Reason 13, I've taken this reason from a composite of thoughts there from verses 14 to 19. So another reason to preach to our souls till they sing is that God loves, God loves dust people. God loves people of dust. David reminds us that God loves us even though we are dust. Even though our lives on this earth are like grass that fades, God loves us with steadfast love. I mean, this is the sermon we need to preach to our souls when we feel insignificant or unloved. When we feel... Even when we feel like our time on earth is drawing nigh and our our prime is past, we we know our days are numbered. And you start feeling insignificant in your old age. You are a person of dust. You might not feel that right now. You might be young. 
One day you'll be very aware of it. You are a person of dust. Life is brief, much briefer than any of us would like. But God loves dust people. And here's the thing. He loves them with an everlasting love. And you think, how how can that be, right? Like, how is it? Like, if we are so temporary, like our life is dust, it's like flowers that fade, and God loves us with an everlasting love. How is that? You know how it is? It is because of the resurrection. Jesus Christ died for us and he was raised and all who trust in him alone by faith will will be risen too, will rise too. And in that way, whether your life is long or short by our standards, it's still dust by God's standards. But he loves us steadfastly from everlasting to everlasting. God loves dust people enough to give them eternal life. All right, reason number 14. This is our final reason for our souls to sing. Did I get them all? Yeah, maybe. It's in verse 19. The psalmist reminds us to preach to our souls that God is sovereign over all things. Psalm 103, 19 says, The Lord has established his throne in heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Oh, how we need that sermon when we don't understand what's going on in our lives and when we don't understand what's going on in the world. We need to hear that sermon when our lives seem out of control, when it feels like chaos, when it feels like evil will triumph. No, soul, all is not lost. Evil will not triumph. There is no chaos. God is sovereign and he is on the throne forever. So trust in God. He is good. And his kingdom rules over all. You can trust in God with the things that you cannot control, which is everything. And we could go on and on. There are more than 14 reasons here, but those are 14 good reasons for your soul to sing. And I want to encourage you to preach these things to your soul this week. Like spend some time in the mornings preaching this to your soul. Preach this to your soul when you start slipping into that, that, that complaint mode. The grumble mode. Preach it until your complaining turns to singing. To your grumbling hearts learn to dance in God's grace. And sing with other souls, with other people made from dust. This is, what we, this is why we gather on Sunday mornings. It's to preach to one another how good God is and how, you know what, you know what that does? Like it changes the tone, doesn't it? I don't know if you've ever been that guy. I try to be this guy. It's a great guy to be but you know everybody's complaining around you and you just start thinking you just start saying the things you're grateful for it's a great thing to do and it changes the tone completely right everybody's annoyed with you at first and then they start agreeing with you right yeah I guess this isn't so bad or people are gossiping and saying evil things about other people you say you know what I'm thankful for it changes the tone (laughs) It changes the tone in your heart too. You know, when you're tempted to sin, tempted to like run after idols, gratitude will maul that sin. When you're tempted to lust, gratitude will maul that sin. It will destroy it. So sing with other souls. Sing with other people made from dust. And then sing with the angels. That's what, verses 20 through 22. There's a, there's a full-blown choir in Psalm 103. Let's sing with them. Let your heart sing out with gratitude to the one who loves you steadfastly. 
who has crowned your head with mercy, who has removed your sin from you, who heals you and who satisfies you with good and who reigns in the heavens. In your heart right now, friends, is there more complaining or is there more thankfulness? This week, how has it been? This last week? And I get it, you know, this isn't Disney World. We have real trials, real hurts, real grief, real things going on in our lives. Real. It's gritty, it's tough. It's often full of hurts and pains and sometimes hope is hard to see. Friends, let this sermon do for you what my aunt did for me that day. Let it grab your ear, pull you aside and remind you of how good and how gracious God is in all of those things. He never forsakes you. He never loves you less. Your worst day, God loves you as much as he always loves you in Christ. So preach it. Preach it as long as you need to. Preach it until your soul sings with gratitude to the one who sits on the throne forever and who loves you forever. May we be a people of gratitude who demonstrate by our attitudes and our words that God is indeed good, that he is indeed saving and gracious and kind. So Father, I pray that you do that work. Do it in my heart. I know how prone to wander I am. I see it all the time. I know how prone to grumble I am at every inconvenience. I know my default posture and I want to repent of that. And I want to sing praises to my God who reigns on high and who loves people of dust. Lord, if there's anyone here who comes today not understanding the gospel, not understanding your love and your grace and your mercy that is shown in Christ, Lord, I pray today that they would understand. I pray that you would help them to believe in Christ today. You draw them to yourself through your word and through your goodness and through this picture in Psalm 103 of your grace. And may they today trust in you. And Lord, I pray that we would all leave here grateful for your love and kindness. In Jesus' name, amen.